took Jesus from Caiaphas to the place of the Roman governor. By now it was early in the morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanliness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests have handed you over to me. What is it, what is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If I were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king, then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world to testify to this truth. Everyone on the side of the truth of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate retorted. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis to ch- for a charge against this man, but it is your custom for me to release to you one of the prisoners at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. The kids are invited to Kids Church with Emily Greener today. We have two Emilys. Hello, hello. Oh, sounds good. Thanks. Hey, it is, uh, it is awesome to be back. We had a great time in Minnesota. Some of you guys were praying for us, and that's, that's amazing. Just to see the crew up here in their Coca Gabbana shirts and their shorts and Merle sneezing out the window and Emily, like, showing, like, this is going to be real. Like, it was just two weeks ago, and now all of a sudden, now I'm like, this is baby time. That's good. So it is awesome to be here. Um, could we pray together? Father, I uh, am not very good about doing the things that uh, we're going to talk about today, about listening and understanding and bearing fruit and doing what you ask us to do. Uh, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Bind my wandering heart to Thee. Let's pray for grace today for everyone that's listening. And I know that anything good that happens today is because of Your grace and Your mercy and has nothing to do with uh, with me. So I just for grace and mercy for all of us. We might hear what you would say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So I think humans, got to take these off real quick. Humans have what I call like a natural uh, energy detector. Does that make sense? So like when you see energy, you kind of, you go with it because it's awesome, it's potential, but it's also dangerous, right? So some of you are going, hey, what if he's not as cool as he thinks he is? And he <laughs> kicks that thing out and sends the board through the window. That'd be fun, you know. But you got this energy, and you feel it in people sometimes. You walk up next to them, you sense an energy. If there was a, I was a Marvel character, and there was a big spring right here. And I went, yeah, and I pushed the spring down. You know, you would sense the potential energy in there as that thing could explode up and fire. And, you know, chemical potential energy, all that kind of stuff. Okay, hold that thought. Because we've got to put two thoughts together today, which is going to be amazing for me. Um, also on the energy, I was thinking about my son Nick, who's going out to Pasadena this week, I think. Uh, and one of the reasons he's going out there is because his friends are out there, he might go to school out there, but there's also this ocean there. And he's been explaining to me this love of surfing and why he wants to surf and what happens. And there's this intense energy in the ocean, which is both exciting and dangerous. Because you know the ocean could kill you instantly right could flip you over toss you around and be done with you but you also get to try to master it for what 10 seconds 5 seconds 15 30 seconds I don't know what the wave is Um, but there is that energy that's there okay we're going to hold that thought I want to say alongside of that that we are people of the promise that that's what it means to be a Christian 
that we are people of a promise. From Abraham, where God promises him, pulls this moon worshiper out of Ur and takes him into the promised land and gives him a promise. Um, all the way up to the Messiah, God gives us promises. The Messiah is coming. He's coming. Promise of the resurrection. The resurrection. It's coming. It's coming. I'm going to give this to you. The power of the promise is in the integrity, the strength, the beauty of the promiser. Does that make sense? And so one of the reasons that we have such hope in the promises God has given us because we trust in his nature and who he is and the power of those promises. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to take potential energy and we're going to take promises and we're going to hook them together in this passage today. We're going to be in Proverbs. Uh, sorry, I can't talk into this at the same time. We're going to be in Proverbs 2 and it's this incredibly compressed, powerful promise. And it's no different than the potential energy of me crashing on this board, of a chemical explosion, of a spring that's pushed down. It's there within it. It's not that kind of energy in matter and space, but it's an energy within logic. It's a logical energy. It's a linguistic energy. And most importantly, it's a relational energy, right? So there's a relational energy between Kim and I, and we've been married for 37 years. And part of that is that promise that we made to each other, right? And it's, it's powerful. And it has been broken here and there. I'll always be kind and good to you. Uh, oops. Um, you know, I won't say anything sassy or lippy or critical with my tongue. Oops. You know, there's things over the 37 years that haven't been exactly perfect, okay? She's been perfect, but I haven't been, okay? Don't buy that either, okay? She hasn't been exactly perfect. All right. So we live in these promises, right? Um, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Think about 2 Peter for a second. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and to escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Okay, on to the passage. Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 7. I want you to hear, part of the spring that's loaded here is the if-then statement, right? So you've got Aristotle who kind of uncovers this logic, and you get Aristotelian logic, and you know that if you go back to your college philosophy class or whatever, that uh, you can have an if-then statement that could be completely false, right? Um, and so there's the whole, you know, the little P's and Q's and all that stuff you did. Um, but if it's a true statement, if the if and the then, the then follows, it's incredibly powerful and it's incredibly awesome. I'm going to accentuate the ifs and the thens here. There's, there's some in the text, but then I'm going to do the implied ones as well. All right? And uh, they just don't put them all there in there because it just sounds overly ugh. It's like you're reading the Amplified Bible. You ever read the Amplified Bible? It's really loud. Um, but it was like a joke. It's a pretty good one. Uh, my son, if you receive my words, and if you treasure my commands within you, if you incline your heart to wisdom, and if you apply your heart to understanding, if you cry out for discernment, and if you lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for his hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And then you will find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. So God is promising to give us wisdom, but for that to happen, we have to hear. And this is where I feel a little bit hypocritical like in doing this sermon. I'm often like the guy in James who hears what God says and then you know, looks in the mirror and forgets what he looks like two seconds later. And I walk away and I, I didn't really hear it because I didn't have any change of behavior. Nothing changed within me. When you get to uh, Matthew and they talk about the good soil, it's going to be the one who hears and understands and bears fruit. So that listening has this continuity to it and this depth to it other than I just heard the words. Okay, um, And that's really where we want to get to. So today is about listening. I was thinking this might be a really short sermon, you know, and I'm trying to stretch it out a little because I was just going to go, you guys should listen to God. Duh. 
okay? I mean, you know, duh, sit down, game over, drop the mic. Um, but what does that mean? What is the practicality of that? How do we do that? And I'm just going to tell you really honestly, there's been so much noise in the last three weeks, uh, just doing all kinds of things. We went to Minnesota for a funeral. Nick's awesome friends came from all over the country and decided to make our house party central, which was really fun, but just, you know, there's a lot going on. Joe's home for a couple more days and just, just things happening. Um, and in that noise, how do I hear? How do I really hear what God's saying? And how do I handle that kind of noise? All right, so what is this wisdom that we seek? First of all, I think it's a deep reconnect with God. If wisdom is anything, it walks us into a reconnection with Him every day. It refreshes that relationship. Um, we all have that echo of what happened in the garden. That moment when we could walk with God, when Adam could walk with God. And I think it's deep within our DNA that there's a hunger a silent shadow hunger for us to regain that intimacy. Um, Matt defined it several times as the art of skilled living. The learning to live with and not against the grain of the universe that God has made. This is tricky. You know, we're pretty good at the physics of that. If I jump off of a building, physics rewards me right away with me crashing because of gravity. But in relational, social, moral, ethical, philosophical things going on, uh, it's not quite that quick, is it? But it's nonetheless just as powerful. In other words, if you get crossways with the nature of God, if you get crossways with who He is, with who He has designed the universe to be, you're going to be like that little, you remember the coyote in Roadrunner? And he goes out there and he goes, and he just spins for a while. And you may spin for five or six years, and you may make it look good, and it all looks great, and everything's fine, and you're prospering, and you don't need God. Forget it. But at some point, the physics of the nature of God and the way that he has created the universe and your relationship to him, you're coming. That was supposed to be powerful, but it wasn't. You're coming down. I was afraid I was going to hurt myself. I was like, um, So... We need to learn to live with the grain of the universe and not against it. Also, I love this last week when Matt was talking about tapping into the cumulative wisdom of God's people over the years. That God's people have received words from him. They have heard from him. They have, I'm really having trouble here. Um, they have heard words from him. They have heard him spoke. And then they have collected that together. Okay. Um, that's been really disregarded, I think, in the last 500 years. Somehow we've elevated the physical world, math, chemistry, science, all that kind of stuff, because it's given us such incredible technology and such seeming mastery over the universe that we've forgotten that, that that's one map to the universe, but the one we really need is how do we relate to one another? Because we're not, we are social creatures probably before we're physical creatures. We are so wired into knowing what's going on. You guys are all playing by the rules right now. Everything looks good. But somebody pulls into that step or that chair right over there and isn't dressed quite exactly right or starts muttering or twitching or pulls out a weapon. That whole social dynamics changed pretty quick, hasn't it? it? It flies. So you have to have all those social dynamics right, okay? And it's really important to you. And I would, I would say it might be more important to you I mean, obviously, chemistry is important, Joe. I don't want to say it's not. But equally important is how do we connect to one another, okay? Well, that cumulative wisdom, and, and even something like Marvel. I don't you guys are into the Marvel Universe, but we've been really into it this fall. What, what, is, what is that about? It's about how do I relate to one another? It's a great story. It's really cool CGI. But in the end, if it didn't have good CGI and it wasn't a great story, you wouldn't connect to it because you always want to hear people's stories. You always want to know what's going on. You always want to see how they solve problems. You always want to figure that out because you want to move in the universe of people without you know, getting your head cut off and getting along, right? So that's important and that's what those stories are about, whether it's the Lord of the Rings or Marvel or Star Wars or... Narnia, or the great Greek myths, or uh, you know, Epic of, Gil uh, Epic of Gilgamesh. It doesn't matter. Those stories are really important because we learn what it means to be human through those. All right. 
So I'm going to say there's going to be three givens here, and I'm going to fire through these relatively quickly. In other words, these are things that I think we're all going to assume in here, but probably possibly not. Like, I think we all agree on these things, but maybe we don't. So I thought I would just mention them. Given number one, I think we ought to listen. That we ought to hear what God says. We ought to listen to wisdom. We, our, our ear ought to be perked up. It ought to be tuned to that, okay? So, this is one. My life would be so clean if I'd have done this, but, but listen to Psalm 1. If, I, if I'd have gotten into the stream of what God, God was saying, I, I would have avoided so many crises, so many problems, so many sins, so many hurting of other people, so many brokenness. Uh, but this is what we ought to do. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night, and he will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water. I ought to have listened. I ought to have got into that stream, right? out of the counsel of the wicked, into the stream of what God was saying and doing, and life would have been much better. We've had an awesome marriage, and I've loved raising our kids. It would have been even groovier, I think, had I been more obedient and listened more and been in the stream, okay? Well, such is life, right? None of us are perfect. I know, that's a cop-out. Never mind. Um, we should listen. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are true. They are, uh, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. I love that. You guys can work through the Carl Bart stuff on the back of the bulletin on your own pace because Carl takes a while, but uh, if I'm going to preach and Carl is here, I'm going to put Carl Bart in because that's, that's a rule, right? Okay. Bart basically is saying this, okay? We know that we hear God's no toward our brokenness and the brokenness of the world. You know, whether you're conscious or subconscious of it, you know God's justice, you haven't met it. God's wrath, you probably deserve it. We hear God's no coming toward us. And we also hear his yes toward the beauty he seeks to revive and redeem in us. And yes, deep within, we long for that lost intimacy, God walking with Adam in the cool of the garden. The no of God is his justice and his wrath. The yes of God is his mercy and grace. Are we complex enough to handle that? As a parent, how often do you say no and yes to a child? Quite a bit, right? Quite a bit. No, I'm not going to tolerate you head-slapping your brother. Yes, I really love you. And yes, you're better than that. Yes, you can love that kid. We can handle no's and yeses, right? Because life is complex like that. We also pray with James that mercy triumphs over just judgment. That's what we really want, isn't it? I need God's mercy. I can tell you right now, if you laid out my life and possibly your life, if you just laid it out, it wouldn't stack up you might not be able to meet God's standard of righteousness and goodness. It wouldn't stack up. And some of you would be like, I'm closer. Amen. God bless you. That's great. Okay? At least I'm closer than that joker up there. But you still wouldn't quite stack up. I promise you that. So in Karl Barth, in Romans, there's a book, there's a story there called Crisis. There's a word, crisis, right? Except I think in the German it was probably von Crisis. Another good joke, right, Shelley? One crisis, okay? And what it means is the crisis of our existence is the sundering of our relationship with God. The breaking of our relationship with God is the crisis of the whole universe for Karl Barth. He may not be far off, right? He may not be far off. All right. What am I doing? <laughs> I, I get everything all messed up here. Just one second. Okay, those are all there. Wow, isn't that sad? Matt, every once in a while you catch on your words, right? Is that okay? I mean, you're the professional and it still happens. It's just catching on your words? I like that, yeah. All right, so gosh dang it, there's like one and two. You guys are like, how many of those little cards you got? Quite a few, you guys, quite a few. Here it is, three. All right. I have 50 cards. Um, all right, the given number two. 
I got to speed this up a little bit. He speaks and we seek. Okay? God speaks and then we seek. That needs to be the next um, relationship here. Wow. I'm just going to take a second to fix this because it's a mess. You can go away. You can go away. All right. He speaks and we listen. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He speaks, we seek. The commentary Matt had me read because he's afraid of what I would say on my own. And it looks something like this. He says, everything is about commenting on this section of Proverbs here. Everything important in life is both a gift and a task. I like that. Everything is a gift and a task. The acknowledgement of wisdom as God's gift goes hand in hand with the eager human pursuit of it. Just as sanctification is both a gift of the Holy Spirit and an intentional forming and discipline of our lives, so acquiring wisdom is a deliberate lift, deliberate living into the gift of our creaturehood. I like this. God is always the giver of wisdom, and we are to be its constant seekers. So given number two looks like this. He speaks and we seek. Just to throw out a classic Mennonite text, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be open. Or what person among you is there who if his son asks him for a loaf of bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish will he not give him a snake? Will he? So if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven who is good give good things to those who ask him. All right, I'm, I'm pretty much on task now. I'm, I got it. I'm pretty, pretty on fire here. That one can go away too. Okay, we're getting there. The third thing that I want to say uh, that we should agree on, he speaks and we seek and that we ought to listen, is this. I hope we can agree that to listen, to hear, to truly listen for the soul to respond and to blossom is a gift of God. So that sometimes people's ears are just stuffed and God comes and unstuffs those ears, if you will. Proverbs 20, verse 12. The ear that hears and the eye that sees, the Lord has made them both. The New Living Translation goes like this. Ears to hear and eyes to see, both are gifts of the Lord. Now, I think you've got to ask for the gift. I think that's okay. To really ask that God would open your ears to what he's saying. Because I think that's good. Matthew 13. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. In other words, your eyes that see Jesus and hear the word of Jesus, they're blessed. And Jesus is looking at people and he's saying, you are blessed because you see and because you hear. And he knows that not everybody, I mean, Judas is with him for how long, right? For three or four years. Not everybody who hears him um, is blessed to have those ears opened. So it's a big deal. All right. The last thing, I've already said this in the prayer, but I think we need to agree that it, just because I hear some words doesn't mean it makes any sense. Sometimes when Kim's super distracted, I'll say something to her, you know, hey, there's a toad on your head. She'll go, yeah, that's great. Yeah, okay, it's cool, you know. And, and she just, she's excited about that toad being on her head, apparently. Um, and then I just know, that's how I test. Like, okay, she's, she's, work, she's at work right now. She's not actually with me. Do, do you do that with Don? Don, do you do that with Shelly sometimes? <laughs> it could be the other way around. Actually, I believe that. Okay. So, this is the, the text from the parable of the sower, Matthew 13. He who received the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, understands it, and bears fruit. So that listening is more than just words banging into your head. It's actually hearing and understanding and bearing fruit. And that's kind of crucial. All right. And we're making progress here, guys. All right. Note to self. I don't know why I put that on here, but I guess I'm talking, so I should talk about it. We all suffer from pride. And if you will, pride is probably the root of all things. Some people's pride is more evident than others, 
you can look at someone and go, oh, that arrogant Tony Stark. He is such an arrogant bastard, you know? Um, Kim looked at me bad. I shouldn't have said that word. Um, but people, some people can look at And then the funny thing is, the, the, the super pride is the one who's like, look at that person. I'm so glad I'm not like them, which is even funnier pride, actually. Um, but pride weaves itself into our heart, and it is the deepest root of our deafness and our hardness of heart. Uh, my dad, some of you guys know this, my dad lived with us for three and a half years, and I have three, all well, four older sisters, depending on how you count them, okay? I got three or four, Shelly. Whatever. I got a lot of older sisters. And they were extremely helpful. I don't know if you guys have been in the end-of-life situation with somebody, but it's awesome and it's amazing as they're going to Jesus, and it's terrifying, right? It's hard. So dad lived with us three and a half years, kind of threw our family upside down and stuff. Well, my darn sisters... They would give me advice. Can you believe that? Sisters, older sisters giving me advice. And man, they'd hit me with something. And my first response was, yeah, no. Okay, have you ever had that response? I think I said that well. No. Okay, it was about exactly what I said. And I'll be darned if every single time they weren't right. Every time for three and a half years. The stupidest thing that they would say that I would initially go, no, was actually brilliant. Can you figure that? And it was my pride. It was my arrogance. It was my, I got this. Don't bother me. I know what I'm doing. That really got in the way. Okay? And then when we're trying to listen to God, I'm going to tell you right now, you have that deep. It's not like a little ketchup on top of the hamburger. It's a marinade. Do you got the difference, you know? I mean, it's deep within us. That, that rebellion, that God, I know what I'm doing. I got this. You know, and he's just looking at you. And it's funny when you have little kids, right? They're like three or four, and they're like, oh, I got it. And you're like, you know, they're like, I do it myself. You know, and that's, it's awesome. It's funny. It's cool. It's annoying after a while, but it's, it's amazing. But as a 58-year-old, I got this. I know it. Put it, you know. I do it myself, God. I don't think that's going to work out very well. So that's the note to self. We need to be humble. And I don't know how you do that, you know. Shelly and I are both very competitive, and pretty soon we're going to be sitting there going, well, I'm the best humble person here. I need a humble trophy, you know. And that, that just doesn't work very well if you think that one through. James 4. God gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hand, you sinner. Purify your heart, you double-minded. That's just, that's just awesome. Um, 1 Peter 5. Clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Wow. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That's an interesting one, isn't it? You know, sometimes anxiety and depression are both from arrogance and pride. I think. I'm probably getting in trouble saying that. But there's, there's some connection there, right? Anxiety, you think you can control everything? Depression, sometimes you just hack that it hasn't gone the way you designed it to go. I don't know. Might be wrong on that. You guys can just figure that one. All right, let's get to the work here. For me, for sure, and maybe for you, probably for you, there's much work to be done here, right? Um, getting our mind, our soul, and our loves in order. In other words, you have a lot of work to do, and I've been doing a lot of work for the last 58 years, and I'm amazed that I'm not near where I thought I was going to be when I was 15. When I was 15, I was like, I got this Jesus thing figured out. I'm going to be super Christian by the time I'm 17. And yeah, completely sanctified by 29. And man, I'm light years away from that. I mean, it's ridiculous. We have a lot of work to do our mind, our soul, and our loves, that we might learn to listen, to truly, truly listen. Everything I'm going to say right now, I think you've probably thought about before. I'm not thinking you're stupid. I just think you can think about stuff, but
But actually getting it into your life, that's a little harder, isn't it? You can know what to do, but to do it is, is maybe a different thing. And yet I want to make these things that I'm going to talk about explicit. And I want to call you and me to do the work. Could we work on learning to listen to God, to the Holy Spirit, to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, together? Could we learn to do that as individuals? Could we do it as couples? Could we learn to do this as friends? Could we do this as a church? Could we make a commitment that, hey, I want to hear what God has to say. That I believe all these calls in Proverbs, I don't know how many lectures Matt's got through, but all these calls are like, hey, listen. Wisdom is in the street. She's crying out. She's asking you to pay attention. She's promising you with this kinetic, linguistic, relational energy that if you do what he asks you to do, things will go well. And so why don't we do it? Sometimes it's pride. As a parenthetical comment, I want to let you know this. Because Matt can't say this. He's a tremendous resource. And he's probably an underutilized resource. You have somebody who's been trained in counseling and caring for people. He's seen a lot of stuff, even though, what are you, like 23? Something? Yeah. He's seen a lot of stuff, and he's related to that stuff. And we don't use him sometimes. Why? Because we're just too proud. You know what I mean? We're just, oh, I'm not going to actually tell you what's going on in my life. You know, there's what we present, and then there's what's going on in our hearts. And we need to use him. And we need to use others in the church. There's a lot of collective wisdom in this. And not just the people with gray hair. A lot of times Shelly will look at me and go, I have gray hair, I'm smarter than you, I'm wiser. You know? But no, I mean, there's a lot of collective wisdom in this body, and it'd be great to tap into that. All right, so here's my questions for today. We're going to rip through them fairly quick. How do I quiet the kingdom of noise? That's a C.S. Lewis phrase from the 1940s. He said that uh, the, the senior devil, Screwtape, was asking the lesser devil, create a kingdom of noise so that they can't hear what's going on. I don't know, but in the last 80 years, do you think the kingdom of noise has gotten louder or quieter? Like There's so much noise right now. It's unbelievable. So how do I quiet the kingdom of nose, noise, of noses? Uh, how do I respond to God's clear call of repentance? How do I learn to live in the presence, in the present? See, if I can quiet the kingdom of noise, if I can repent when he asks me to repent, if I can live in the present, I want to be a better listener. How do I learn to tell the truth? Do you know how much psychic energy is just blown apart when you don't tell the truth? You're trying to keep all that stuff going through your head? Um, how do I beat back some of the psychic chaos that's going on in my head right now? How do I maintain a clear vision of who God wants me to be, of who I want to become, of how I can be a better dad, of how I can be a better father, how I can be a better brother, uh, those kind of things. All right, let's get to it. How do we live in the kingdom of noise? What are we to make of the relentless cacophony of information, of lies, half-truths, facts, opinions, conclusions, exhortations, warnings, and beliefs? How do we quiet that kingdom of noise such that we might hear his clear voice? How do we, like puddle glum, at the end of the silver chair, stick our foot in the fire to wake us from the smoky, intoxicating, incense-filled haze of this noisy world? Now, that's not a question I can answer in three seconds, right? That's something you should be working on all of your life. How do you begin to quiet the noise such that you might hear that still, small voice? Everything I'm about to share with you is, is not like in the self-help section. It's not like quick and easy. It's bigger things. Job, like Jacob, like Moses, even like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, strives with God. He wrestles with God. Think of Abraham as Soren Kierkegaard's existential hero in Fear and Trembling. Seek and wrestle and ask to hear his voice. Cry out to hear his voice above all others. So that's one of my first quick little answers is, I think you have to wrestle with God. I think you have to get after it. I think, you know, think of Jacob wrestling, you know, in the middle of the night and coming up with his hip lane. I think you have to get to it. And you have to beg God and you have to cry to God 
Seek and you shall ask and the door shall be opened to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. I think that's a really crucial thing to quiet the noise because it sets your heart in a specific direction that's important. Next question, how do we learn the proper weighting of all the voices we hear? How many different voices do you hear in a day? Hundreds, right? Songs, visuals, advertisements, little things on the side of a bus, friends giving you a text. Doop, 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 beep, pop. I mean, I have like seven different sounds on my phone. And the only one I really pay attention to is either Kim or ESPN, but that's a whole different thing, right? So how do we learn to properly weight the voices we hear? How do we regulate the flow? Do we unplug? Well, when do we unplug? How do we unplug? Um, is it a permanent unplugging? Do we just become monks and disappear from the world somewhere? Maybe. Is it a temporary unplugging? You've got to figure it out, guys. You've got to do the work. You've got to talk to your spouse, to your friends, to people that know you, and, and just pay attention. You know, this last election, people in my life, I had to say, hey, you might want to tone that down a little bit. You might want to stop listening to all that stuff because it's driving you nuts, right? And you're just getting yourself to this point where you just have lost all rationality. But what if you spent all that time that you're listening to this stuff, listening to God speak? That'd be pretty powerful, wouldn't it? That'd be cool. All right, just get good counsel on that. And I want you also to remember uh, two verses. John 16 but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. You're not alone. The Holy Spirit has been here to convict you, to lead you, to speak to you, to move you toward God's presence. Is that comforting? Man, I wish I was in a, a real charismatic church right now. Like, Amen! Yes! Hallelujah! God cares for us and he's going to move us in the right direction. Old Testament version of that, Nehemiah 9. You, Father, sent your good spirit to instruct them. And you did not stop giving them manna from heaven or water for their thirst. God cares about his people. And he's taking good care of them. All right, second one. Is there a clear conviction? Is there a call to repentance in your life that you're ignoring? Matt said something in the sermon last week that I thought was awesome. He said, no is the human word for freedom. Animals really don't say no very often. When the wolf kills the caribou, it just goes ahead and eats the 40 pounds of meat, right? When the sexual urges hit, they're just going. But as humans, we have the power of the word no. And if I would utilize the word no in my life, because it's something Kim and I talk about all the time, every, every yes is a no, right? Every time I say yes to somebody giving me an obligation. I've just said no to somebody else, right? And that's really true when you have a lot of kids because people are demanding your time. And if I say yes to all these people out there demanding my time, I'm actually saying no to my kids and to what they need from me. It's, it's a wild thing. But no, the flip of that, no is a really powerful word. My life would be so much cleaner and simpler if I would have done that, right? So... Some of you guys might notice some of this stuff has a little Jordan Peterson uh, flavor to it. Um, and whether you like Jordan Peterson or not or whatever, just remember what Augustine said. Truth is truth wherever you find it. All truth is God's truth. And, and don't do an ad hominem attack on anybody. I mean, I don't care who, who the statement comes from. Analyze it for its own merits, right? Don't fall into the logical fallacy of, oh, well, if X said it, it has to be wrong. Not necessarily. Even idiots are right sometimes. Right, hon? I'm right once in a while. All right. So if you thought about it for a couple of seconds, is there something you could stop doing that would make your life cleaner and simpler and better? Is there a conviction of the Holy Spirit that's on you right this moment? Stop doing that. Do do this. Is there something that God's asking you? And I'll guarantee you, if you'll listen to him, it unstuffs your ears and it allows you to listen and press forward. And it may not be a big thing. It might be just a little, little thing. All right. 
Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. This is Isaiah 59. Your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. There's a certain moment when you just continue, when I continue to rebel and rebel, that God seems to pull back and I need to stop and just obey. And that's good and powerful and right. Or just simply, the conviction is this. It's, it's Acts 3. Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins might be blotted out, and that times of refreshing might come from the presence of the Lord. All right, we're getting there, guys. We're at card number eight, and there's only 35 more, so that's awesome. All right, how about living in the present? And again, each one of these things I want you to think of as long-term, right? You have to really work on listening to God's voice and repenting. You have to really listen to living in the present. If you were to pay attention to your mental activity, you know what you might find? You might be spinning back a lot. You might have even through this sermon been spinning back. Oh, what did somebody say to me? What did they mean by that look? What if I should have done this? What if I'd have done that? It would have fixed this problem. Oh, I can't believe I spent the money. And you're just spinning in the back. You're spinning in the past, right? Are you in the present when you're spinning in the past? Not really. And some of you are spinning forward. Oh, what's going to happen if this happens? What's our wedding going to look like? That's okay to spin to that. That's what humans do, right? But I'm just saying, you have to have the mental character strength to know your own mind and know when you're overspinning forward. You're always thinking about something. Oh, what if this person does this? What if that happens? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? You know? Or, oh, I can't believe they meant that. Oh, they did that. Uh, 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 uh. If you're always there or there, you're never here. Does that make sense? And so one of the disciplines we have to learn to know God is to get into the present, right? You've got to get here. It's quieting your heart and mind to be still and to listen. Again, that psalm that we read this morning, Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul, like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Or Psalm 46, Be still and know that I am God. Boy, if you don't relate to that, I don't know who you are, because I, I get that way, right? I get that way. I get a little fired up, right, Kim? Bah! Okay? And there's times you just gotta, which is the sound of a bird, I think, cooing or something, but you have to just relax. Another one here. Tell the truth, or at least try not to lie. How much psychic damage is done in your relationships and in your mind because you just can't be clean about the truth. And you guys are probably, some of you are going, oh, well, I always tell the truth. Yeah, I'm good at that. I'm always clean on that. Uh-huh. Really, really, really being as honest as you can, that's not easy. But it opens up your ability to hear God. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set, shall, shall set you free, says Jesus. You can lie by omission. I just left stuff out. You can lie by commission. You just lied. You didn't tell the darn truth. Exaggeration. Spin. Oh, it was really kind of like this, right? You can shade things a little different way. You can give yourself the best motives and that person you're having a conflict with the worst motives. So I'm just saying we've got to learn to tell the truth as a family. Jesus prays for us, and that's maybe what we've got to pray. Set them apart in the truth. Your word is truth. All right, a couple more and then we're done. What about the psychic chaos going on within you right now? <laughs> there's programs running in your brain and there's your conscious mind. But do you know there's subroutines and subprograms? Like when you're on your computer, there's subroutines and subprograms that are going all the time, right? And it's true in you. Sometimes when Kim and I get a little stressed, we're like, whoa, I got too many tabs open. Do you know what I'm talking about there? You got too many programs, you got 17 tabs on your Safari or whatever, and you're just like, I got way too many tabs open. 
So what I want to ask you to do is, can you close some of those tabs? Can you get that psychic noise down to the point where you can truly be in the present? The Buddhists are really good at thinking about this. And again, I, I kind of have this feeling like Augustine that truth is truth wherever you find it. But they really, really have done a lot of work on trying to get into the present, right? And to trying to get things settled, okay? So if you have something against your brother, that can be a subroutine that's running all the time. Man, I'm just mad at Park. That's just Park. He just get me so mad. Man. I go, talk go talk to Park, Jesus says, right? Or Park's mad at me. Come talk to me. Let's get it settled. Let's figure it out. That pile of paper on your desk, you guys ever walk by your desk and, you're like, and you're, like your stomach goes, because there's all that stuff you don't want to deal with that's just sitting there. And you're like, ah, I don't want to do that. I'm going to go watch an episode of The Clone Wars. Then I won't have to think about that. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That psychic chaos. Sometimes better just to deal with the, set them on fire. I don't care what you got to do with them, but deal with them. That phone call you need to make to somebody you don't really want to make. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? Let's all work on closing those tabs and keeping them clean. Because if you have too many open tabs, it might be harder to hear God's voice. Yes? No? Maybe? Does that work? You guys just nod. Say amen once in a while. I would love it. Last one. I think you need to aim at things. And what I'm asking you to aim at today is to be a better listener Wisdom cries in the streets, and I want you to hear what wisdom's saying. Deep, deep within your soul, you're a target hitter, aren't you? It's so funny watching mom sometimes. I can just see Emily doing this going, William, quit throwing rocks over there. Quit. No, that's what kids do. They pick up rocks and they hit things with them, and they'll throw things forever, and they'll just throw. Remember when Sam hits Bill Fernie as they're walking out of... Uh, the, the prancing pony, and he hits him with the apple, boom, bings him in the head. And one of the things that Tolkien says is, yeah, Sam was pretty good at throwing. He was one of the better of them, right? He could, boom, he could hit it. We love to hit targets. We love it. You're sitting there watching a baseball game, and you're in the stadium, and the crack of the bat, it hits perfectly. And what happens? You release endorphins like, yeah, he hit that target. Somebody lines up, launches the three, and sinks it, you're like, ah. Aaron Rodgers, the new Denver Broncos quarterback, sits back and launches that deep bomb to Cortland Sutton, and he catches it, and the ball's, if the ball was one inch this way, it's picked off or tipped. If it's two inches this way, it's not caught. And the guy just threw the thing 60 flipping yards, and you're like, wow. It's deep in your soul. You want to aim at things, you want to hit them. We used to play a game with the kids. I think I did this with Mitch more than you guys, but we'd be, We'd be like in Denver or something. They go, when are we pulling in the driveway? And I'd do the math. We're going to go 60 miles an hour. To go. we got 180 miles to go. We're at mile marker. We're going to pull into the driveway at 2.15 p.m. No way! Man, I was good at it. And they go, how'd you do that? Well, partially we drove like three miles an hour on the last street until, until it got to 2.15, right? You know. But man, I could hit that thing. And they go, yeah. Or when you miss the target. Well, that bridge was supposed to be done 42 days ago. I can't believe they missed it. Building that bridge wasn't very complex, and people are all mad, right? Because they missed the target. So you want to hit the target. For lack of vision, Proverbs 29, for lack of vision, the people perish. But happy is the one who keeps the law. Hosea 4, my people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to renew your vision on loving the Lord every single morning. Every single day, in prayer, in meditation, in reading the word, in confessing your sins, and for sure every week when you come to hear and you take communion, you want to renew that vision. Who do I want to be in Christ? What does it look like to be his child? What does it mean to be his daughter? What does it mean to be his son? And when we get to communion, what do we do? We repent there, don't we? And we ask God for grace and for mercy, and we reset our vision. I'm a new man after I take that communion. It's a restart. All right. So let's conclude here really quick. We are people of the promise. We, we really are. And the promise is 
uh, really, really important. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you, 1 Thessalonians 5, entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept complete without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the promise. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. We are a people of the promise. And when you listen to Proverbs 1 through 7, Proverbs chapter 2, 1 through 7, I want you to hear God's promise. If you will seek his wisdom, and in fact, seeking his wisdom is nothing more than seeking him, right? His wisdom is, is, is a character, it's a part of him. When we get to uh, Proverbs 8, it might even be God himself, pre-incarnate Christ. I guess you're going to have to solve that problem. But it's very close to who God is. And the promise looks like this. If you receive my, my son, if my son, my daughter, if you receive my words and you treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, if you cry out for discernment, if you lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and if you search for his hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Then you will find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. What a promise. And from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright, those who are covered by the blood of Christ. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. I need God's shield from this world today. All right. My question was, how do you quiet the kingdom of noise that's out there? Why don't you go and work on that for the next 50 years? How do you respond to God's clear call of repentance? Why don't you go and we'll work on that every day? God might have a little nudging for you every day. Talk to this person. Stop saying that. Why are you part of that gossip? Hey, go give this person something. They need it. Listen to his nudging every day. Maybe for the rest of your life. Could we learn to live in the present? It's okay to spin forward about that awesome wedding. It's okay to review the past and say, yeah, you know, I should have done that different. Or, man, that was awesome. I love the way that went. But can we be present? There's nothing worse than when you're in a conversation for some, with somebody and they're not present. You had that happen? And you're just like, ah. Oh. Here I was, I just poured out my whole heart. And you're like, hey, we got to remember to get romaine lettuce today at the store. And you're like, Okay, don't worry about it. I just, that was my whole heart just right there. Just step on it one more time. That'd be great. Um, learn to tell the truth. 